Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem, committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing. Well, welcome, welcome back. Welcome for the first time. It's great to have you with us. Uh, This is a big Sunday. Next Sunday is a big Sunday because we are celebrating the 70th birthday, the 70th anniversary of People's Church. Pastor Scott and Bonnie Erickson, the longest serving pastoral couple in our church history are gonna be back. Pastor Erickson is gonna preach the morning message. Pastor Denny and Nancy Davis, who were here for two decades, 20 years from 67 to 87 are going to be with us. Pastor Davis will share a message in the evening. And then so many others will be with us. Julie Marchese, many other staff pastors. We're hearing from people who uh, attended the church in the past and have moved elsewhere and said, we're going to fly back on our own expense to be part of the service. And I'm thinking, we better do this right. <laughs> we, are, we have a great team that's put together a great, great Sunday. And I know some of those names, if you're new, they may not mean anything to you, but they mean a great deal to those who've been part of the church family for a long time. And what a thrill it is for us to celebrate what God has done and believe that the best days are still in front of us. So it's Mother's Day, and uh, I'm not a mom, uh, so maybe I'm not qualified to share the message today, but I, I have a mom, and uh, I'm married to an uh, amazing woman who is the mother of our four children. And here's what I know. I know that being a mom is messy. Being a mom is messy. Like, uh, yes, being a mom is messy in the way that like you look across the room at your toddler and they look back at you and they have that face like they're concentrating really hard thinking about issues of life, but you know what's going on. And so you go over there and you check their little bottom and you find that there is more poop than there is capture space in the diaper. (laughs) And the child is wearing all white. And it's five minutes before the wedding, and they're the flower girl. That kind of messy. Now, I told this story in the first service today, and I said, I told that with so much detail that it sounds like it happened to us, but it didn't happen to us, it happened to someone. And then Jennifer, my wife, reminded me that it did happen to us. Savannah, our 10-year-old, who would be delighted that I'm sharing this story with you this morning, When she was a little girl, she was the flower, going to be the flower girl. She was the flower girl in my brother Phil and his wife Amanda's wedding, and she was really into blueberries at this season in her life. And she ate a lot of blueberries. And sure enough, right before her walk down the aisle as flower girl, there was a mess. And thank God for patient moms, because no one knew otherwise Savannah came out there in that dress clean and ready to rock it. Being a mom is not always, and actually probably rarely, being a mom is rarely Pinterest ready. 
Being a mom is rarely Instagram filter ready. Being a mom is messy. So there's that kind of messy, but that's not the only kind of messy that there is. Messy can be more complicated. Messy, if you look up the definition, it can mean confusion. Messy can mean disorder. Messy can be extremely unpleasant. The opposite of messy is neat and tidy. And many of the moms in the house today would say that so much of being a mom is the opposite of neat and tidy. Maybe you have adult children and there's brokenness or distance in the relationship and it's extended for months or years. Maybe when you hear messy, you think of a teenager struggling with different troubles and there's no quick fix. Maybe your house is in chaos and finding even just a few moments of peace is really difficult. Maybe this week you had a few moments where you just locked yourself in the closet and shed some tears. We're terrifying the new moms. It's great, it's really good. Those are rare moments. <laughs> One mom of young children wrote about her kids telling on her, their mom, to their dad. It was a really frustrating day, and anyone who's a mom, you know what a really frustrating day is like. It was a really frustrating day, dad comes home, and the children faithfully and honestly report to dad, dad, mom used a bad word today. Thankfully, we have honest children. Even the path to being a mom is often messy. We know in a big church like this, a big church family, we have every story represented. We have single people who desire to be married and want to have children. We have those who are working toward adoption. We also have moms who have put their children up for adoption. We have, we have parents who have experienced miscarriage, stillbirth, or the death of a child. We have foster parents who give love knowing that their situation with the child they're caring for will almost certainly be temporary. We have stepmoms trying to figure out what their role is, desiring to help with raising children who themselves, the children, are going through difficult circumstances. So when we hear Mother's Day, it's not a neat and tidy package often. We run Mother's Day through the filter of our own experience. So we give a shout out to all the single moms and the single dads who are playing both roles. We give a shout out to the grandmas and grandpas and the aunts and the uncles and the friends who have stepped in the gap where there is a parenting space that needs to be filled. Maybe for you it's part of your story that there's someone who played the role of a mom in your life who was not your biological mother but it was a woman who was there for you and who cared for you in a way to either help your mom or to really take on that role in a major way. Sometimes <laughs> we meet another family, another parent, and we think, wow, they have it all together. That family is perfect. But do you know what happens when we meet perfect people? The more we get to know them, the more we realize how imperfect they are. And here's where the great contrast comes in. The longer we know people, the more we realize how imperfect they are. The longer we walk in relationship with Jesus Christ, the more we realized how perfect he is and how perfect our Heavenly Father is. 
So it's Mother's Day. We celebrate moms. We celebrate new moms who are celebrating their first Mother's Day. We celebrate those who are celebrating uh, Mother's Day as a grandma, as a great-grandma, as a great-great-grandma. We also mourn with families today. We know it's a difficult day if this is a day that you're without mom. Maybe you lost mom. This is the first Mother's Day without mom. We know this is a difficult day and we mourn with you. I also want you to know that on Wednesday this week, I lost my voice almost completely. And I've been praying all week, Lord, just give me a voice. And so here we are in the third service. We're almost there, so praise God. The first, okay, this is maybe more than you want. You know like when you get up and you've got kind of some stuff going on, like getting it all out early in the day is like tough. So first service was a little rocky this morning. We're rolling now. After first service, this is such a mother's heart. One of the precious ladies of our church said, I was up there in the balcony. I was praying for you the whole service. And she says, God told me to bring these for you. And she just deposited like four cough drops in my hand. <laughs> See, so many good moms. We have amazing moms in this church. Praise God. We're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 2 today. And all this talk about how mom, being a mom can be a mess. We're going to open up to Joshua chapter 2. If you've got your Bible with you in printed form or on your phone, I invite you to open up or power up and read along. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 2. And we're going to talk about a mom who lived through a mess. And unlike my mess and your mess, this mom's mess is recorded in the Bible for everyone to read about forever until Jesus returns. So she lived through a mess, yet she is also a woman who spoke about as being a person of great faith. In fact, her name is in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is known as the Hall of Fame of Faith chapter. Her name is there right alongside Noah, Abraham, Moses, Jacob, Joseph, and others. This mom is written about in the New Testament. She is the mother of a son whose character is that of, uh, that any parent would love to have for their son or their daughter. This mom is even in the genealogy, the family tree of Jesus, the family tree of Joseph who would be the earthly legal father of Jesus. This is a mom who once lived on the sidelines in a very low place in society and culture, yet she is known, this mom is known for choosing God at a very difficult time in world history. She chose God. What we're gonna see is that our life messes may tempt us to turn from God. Been there? Our life messes may tempt us to turn from God, but God wants us to see him through the mess. We're gonna see a mom who is in, not a mom yet, a woman who is in a mess, yet she sees God through the mess. Some of you have already figured this out. Today we're talking about Rahab. Rahab. Everyone say that with me. Rahab. Rahab lived more than a thousand years before Jesus. Rahab comes onto the pages of history in Joshua 2 in the city of Jericho. Jericho is this heavily fortified city. Rahab's home is right, built right up against the city wall. Joshua 2, verses 1 and 2. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River 
especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there a night. A prostitute named Rahab. Before we even learn her name, we see her label. Here is a woman who's living in prostitution. Now, over the last couple of weeks, those of you who've been with us as we've talked about Project Rescue, our eyes have been opened at a greater measure to what is the reality of human trafficking and child trafficking. And we've come in greater understanding about the darkness of prostitution. Prostitution is the product of dark appetites that are totally opposed to the goodness of God. We don't know the details of Rahab's story, but what we do know about prostitution that is true today and goes back to the beginning of time, prostitution is often not a rational career choice made by an adult. It is often forced upon them by necessity, by culture, by family. I think of the girl whose story we heard who was told your grandmother was a prostitute, your mother was a prostitute, and you will be a prostitute. That was until Project Rescue came on the scene and began to turn the situation around. What we know is that there is a drive to push girls into this at a very young age. We know that prostitution is dehumanizing and for most it is a captivity. So we don't know Rahab's story, but what we do know is that 3,000 years ago, Rahab would have been labeled immoral and she would have been in one of the lowest places in culture. Rahab is also willing to lie without hesitation. The local authorities come and knock on Rahab's doors while the spies are hiding inside her home. The authorities come and they're looking for the spies and without missing a beat, Rahab says, well, those men, they were here earlier. They left town at dusk as the gates were about to close and she says, I don't know where they went. And she says convincingly, but if you hurry, Run out the gates as they're closing behind you and you may catch up to the spies who are fleeing the city. And she's so believable in her lie that the king's men, the king's authority, go running out the gates as they're closing behind them, chasing the spies down the road. And the whole time the spies are up on the roof hiding under flax, which is a fiber crop. Into her life, into Rahab's life, come two spies from God's people. Listen to what Rahab says, Joshua 2, verse 9. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. Remember, Rahab is living in a mess, in a darkness of prostitution. Yet even though she's in the mess, she sees through that, and she, of all the people in the city of Jericho, she sees that God is up to something. Even without Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or 24-hour cable news, word had spread during that time in history that any community that came against God's people, the Israelites, were destroyed. Rahab knew this, and she sees that the spies are from the camp of the Israelites. And because she's heard about what's happened in every other place where they've been, she anticipates that destruction is coming to Jericho. 
So this is a smart lady. Rahab decided not to be on the side of death and destruction. And in this moment, she is taking so many risks. She is risking that she's reading this right. She is risking putting her life in danger by running cover for foreign spies. But you know what? When it comes to risks, risks are often acts of faith. Risks are often acts of faith. Rahab's entire life trajectory changes in this moment. The moment that she, <clears throat> the moment that she decides to side with God's people, her entire life changes. It was a moment of decision, and there was a time limit. The spies were in her house that moment. She didn't have days or weeks or months or years to pray and think about it. She has to decide. Whose side is she going to be on? Rahab could see that to stand against God would lead to her death and destruction. But look at how she understands God, what she says to the spies in verse 11. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. She recognize, recognizes the greatness of God. Without turning to God in this moment through God's people, we would not be reading about Rahab's story today. If Rahab did not make this decision in this moment, she would be just another casualty of Jericho. Just another casualty in a city that was destroyed after their rebellion against God. So this woman, who up until this moment made a living persuading men to pay her to sleep with her, now she's going to persuade two men to save her. Rahab pleads with them, verses 12 and 13, now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, she describes it as a certain thing, Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my mother, along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all their families. Look at Rahab looking out for her family. In this moment, Rahab says, I need you to protect and to save my family as well. And many of us would say we would do the same thing. Now, do you think that Rahab had a perfect family? Do you think that they never had a squabble, they didn't have disagreement, that they weren't upset that because of this dinner party and this day that someone said this and that and someone didn't come, they were supposed to bring the casserole and they didn't bring the casserole and didn't give a gift on Christmas? Do you think there was any tension in that family? If they were a human family, there was tension in that family. Do you think at this moment that Rahab had perfect relationship with everybody? She most likely didn't because she's a human fam part of a human family. But all that didn't matter in this moment. Whatever family tension was going on, she wanted her family to be saved. Even the sister-in-law that she didn't get along with. And most of us would say that we want the same thing. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because there is a moment coming when whatever it is that you and I are disagreeing with our families about will not matter. <laughs> Pastors, we have been alongside families in the final weeks and days of their life and we have heard regret spoken. I wish, 
I wish I would have not allowed that to separate me from my sons and my daughters. I wish that I had not allowed that tension to go on for so long. I don't even remember why we were fighting, but it's the division. I wish I would have forgiven. I wish I would have shown grace. I wish I would have shown mercy. So maybe this is what you need to hear today. Maybe there is a tension in your family that in the end it will not matter. So God wants to use you to be the one who breathes grace, who breathes forgiveness, who breathes mercy into the family. The family tension may continue, but, and you don't necessarily have control over everything, but, 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 however, you can make the decision that to the extent that it was within your ability, you can decide if we're gonna have division in the family, it's not gonna be because of me. If there's gonna be hatred, if there's gonna be strife, if there's gonna be struggle, if we're not gonna get together on Thanksgiving ever, ever again, it's not gonna be because of me. You can decide to be the one who breathes forgiveness, grace. Grace, by definition, is that which is undeserved. You could say they don't deserve my grace. Yeah, they don't deserve my grace. Yes, that's what grace is. Mercy. Maybe this Mother's Day is a day to reconcile something that's been broken. So the spies, they promise to protect Rahab's family and they give these instructions. Joshua 2.18, when we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members, your father, mother, brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the house. Now the spies at the time would have no idea what the scarlet cord the scarlet rope would eventually come to symbolically mean, and I'll get there in just a moment. But God is so good that he even uses the details to point us to Christ. So the scarlet robe, the scar rope, the scarlet cord, what that scarlet rope or cord could have symbolized way back then was the blood of the Passover lamb. Just decades prior to this moment, the Israelites spread blood on their homes to protect them from God's judgment against Egypt. Now, after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we connect the scarlet rope or the scarlet cord to Christ's blood. Christ's shed blood in suffering and sacrifice is to rescue us from the eternal consequence of sin and to bring us into the safety of a restored relationship with the loving Heavenly Father. So. 3,000 plus years ago, the scarlet thread or the cord or rope would protect Rahab's family from death. When days later, the walls of Jericho would come down. The city was destroyed, annihilated. Skip with me to chapter six, verse 23. The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all the relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. Rahab made a decision to stand with God. Every one of us, we have a decision to make. Are we going to stand with God or stand against God? There really is no neutral place. Instead of being destroyed with the rest of the city of Jericho, Rahab's best days were just beginning. While the culture was being destroyed, Rahab decides to stand with God and her best days are just beginning. As that sinful city is annihilated, so is her past of prostitution. 
What I want us to appreciate is what happens next in Rahab's story. After deciding to stand with God, Rahab would become a mother and she would be included in the genealogy of Christ. Let me show you. Matthew chapter one, verses five and six. Solomon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon. Rahab is here in the genealogy of Joseph, the earthly legal father of Jesus. She is the great, great grandmother of David. You know, David and Goliath, King David, the David who gave us most of the Psalms, that David. Rahab is the mother of Boaz, Boaz. We read the story of Boaz in the Old Testament book of Ruth. Boaz is known as a wealthy man, a leader, but a compassionate man. Boaz assures Ruth that she will be provided for from the crops of his field. Boaz praises Ruth for caring for her mother-in-law. Boaz accepts the privilege and responsibility of taking care of a relative in need. If our sons and daughters grow up to be like Boaz, we're in a very good place. Think of Rahab. Rahab, a former prostitute, became the mother of a compassionate, generous, kind, hardworking leader, a man of integrity. Because of her decision to stand with God, Rahab is named in Hebrews 11 with great heroes of the faith. Hebrews 11:31. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Rahab is also named in the New Testament book of James. James, the half-brother of Jesus, writes about how actions reveal relationship with God. And look at who James gives as an example. James 2, 25. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. I appreciate what Sheila Alwine writes. This is a pastor's wife, mother, and grandmother of five. She writes, Rahab's past did not prevent God from using her for his sovereign purposes. Neither can your past keep God from using you as a mother who makes an eternal difference. If we turn away from our old lives and give ourselves completely to the new life we find in Christ, God can use us just as he used Rahab, a picture of redeeming grace. Do not allow your past to keep you from realizing the future that God has planned for you. Do not allow your weaknesses or failures to define your life and keep you from seeing that God has called you to his version of greatness which by the way is better than any version of greatness that the world can come up with. God wants to use you to be part of raising image bearers for Christ, children who grow, will grow up to love and serve Jesus. So let's just be real. We've all got some mess today. Confusion disorder, something that's 
unpleasant, the opposite of neat and tidy. Your mess does not prevent you from seeing your need for God. Rahab was in the mess, yet she could see that she needed God. Your mess does not hold you back from crying out for rescue. Your mess does not disqualify you from being saved by the grace and forgiveness freely offered by Jesus Christ. We don't see in, in Rahab's story a moment where she says, I'm not worthy of being rescued. No, she cries out and she pleads. She sees the moment for what it is. I need to be rescued. Your mess does not disqualify you from being used by God. Your mess does not disqualify you from raising sons and daughters who love Jesus. At the beginning, we said our life messes may tempt us to turn from God, yet God wants us to see him through the mess. Why? Because your heavenly Father sees you through the mess, and he invites you to be part of his purposes. Your past does not have to define your future. Your past does not have to define your future. Paul, who wrote most of what we now call the New Testament, he wrote, of sinners, I am the worst. Yet God used him and is still using him in an amazing way. Your past does not disqualify you. Maybe you'd say today you are a follower of Christ and it feels like everyone around you is living this neat, tidy, social media ready life. They're not. You're not alone. God sees you through the mess and he invites you to see him. We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. Let us know if you made a first-time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click Connect to share your decision with us. There is great value in being a part of a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to People's Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, relevant engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com.